0: I'm John Lovitz, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder.
1: Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Bill Burr.
0: When you do animation, you got to come up with your own look of the show. And you got to create, essentially, your own race of animated people. Everybody has to kind of look the same, the eyes, the nose. It's probably like a month on eyes and noses and chins and, you know, trying to, like, make Frank look like a, an angry guy, but also a guy that life has beaten down.
1: We had fun talking to Bill, as always, he's a super hilarious guy, and we have a song of the week coming up from Joachim Cooter, we'll tell you more about him at the end of the show, but first, as always, a dumb bit. It's time for... It's.
0: Facebook, not
1: factbook. Got into a proper Facebook fight the other day, which is weird because I haven't gotten one of those in ages, and what's even stranger is it had nothing to do with the president. Uh, A friend of mine posted something, a friend of mine who should know better, actually, I think, Um, no offense, I love when people say that, no offense, but I'm going to offend you now. He uh, posted a story about these uh, holistic doctors that have been murdered, a whole string of them and as soon as i saw holistic doctors i thought uh uh-oh so i looked it up on snopes and of course it's it's all rubbish and uh you know the, the the comments below of course immediately people are saying aha big medicine is behind this rubbing out these doctors and hey look whenever business people get involved with medicine Horrific, like the guy Mr. EpiPen, who was increased the price of those things like fifteen thousand percent or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, when and insurance companies and whenever business people are involved in medicine, terrible things happen. The actual medical people, I'm um, a little less quick to judge, you know. So, uh, but so anyway, yeah, they're, they're all like, oh yeah, it's because it's uh, because they're fighting cancer and the cancer is profitable. And so I made the point, and some people agreed with it though. I made the point if it, they're keeping people from curing cancer, why do we have cures for polio? And malaria and diphtheria and all these other things. And this one guy says, Oh, well, uh, that's because, uh, do you ever wonder why malaria was only prevalent in the US? And I thought, that doesn't sound right. So listen to what this handsome doctor from the TV show The Doctors has to say about it.
0: 1957, the miracle began. The incidence of polio began to fall up to 90% after the start of vaccination to the point where in 1988, the US pretty much didn't see any
1: more epidemics. Whereas in 125 other countries, polio still existed, 350,000 cases still worldwide. That is the dreamy Dr. Travis Lane Stork. You may also know him from The Bachelor. And I love the fact that he's wearing scrubs while he's explaining this. And he goes back over to the table with the rest of the panel. And it's like he's going to run off and do surgery in the studio there at any minute. It's great. Anyway, he goes on to explain that now today it's actually at epidemic levels in only three countries, uh, which I believe is Afghanistan, Pakistan, and a country in Africa. I don't remember which one. But anyway, so it wasn't just widespread in the U.S., kids. It was widespread everywhere. So anyway... Uh, Facebook, not Factbook again. Anyway, this other lady chimes in and goes, well, what about all these dead doctors? And, oh, then she tries to. say, well, Snopes, why is Snopes the authority? I'm like, well, because if you look at the Snopes article, the guy looked at all this and he links to outside sources like other newspapers and like reliable sources for the most part. Uh, and she's like, well, why is, is Snopes is the shouldn't be the, you know, the decider of what's right. And I'm like, well, if you, you can link to verifiable Sources, then yeah, it should be, and then she links to this thing that says uh, Snopes is in trouble and that there there's all, there's fraud involved, and I looked at that, and she actually ironically links to reliable sources. There's stories in NPR, The Atlantic, about the trouble the Snopes is in. But Snopes isn't in trouble for reporting inaccuracies. They're in trouble because the two people that founded it got divorced, and it's an ugly divorce. So it's a two-pronged thing. One, they're having an ugly divorce and fighting over who controls the company, I think. And there's another battle going on between Snopes and a vendor that was being used to host the site, and they're arguing over who owns the information or something like that. But it's nothing to do with the reporting accuracies. I tell her that. I'm like, the articles you're showing, which are coming from reliable sources, thank you, have nothing to do with what we're talking about. The article she sends me about all the deaths is from a, a site called Health Nut News, and I tell her, "What's well, ironic that the word nut is right in there. And I look at the article and there's all kinds of links in it, like the Snopes article, I'm thinking, Oh well, okay, I'll look at this. Every link links back to another article in Health Nut, so it's all interlinked. It doesn't link to an outside source for any of these things. And so I tried to keep explaining it, and she kept saying, But what about all the dead doctors? I'm like, again. The Snopes article goes to reliable sources. Your article interlinks inside itself. So I I tried and tried, but I could not get her to understand.
0: It's Facebook, not Factbook.
1: If you consider yourself to be an old soul trapped in a modern world, you can relive days gone by in classic imprints from our vast collection at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have vintage tees from all the great American cities like Atlanta, Baltimore, Brooklyn, Chicago, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and more. We've got the funk sports teams, old restaurants, old stores you used to shop at when you were a kid. Just go to OldSchoolShirts.com. It is all one word. Pick up yourself a great and stylish-looking vintage T-shirt, and it really helps the show as well. So as soon as you're done listening, head there. Bill Burr is a stand-up comedian from Boston, Massachusetts. You may know him from his many, many comedy specials, his TV show, F is for Family, animated series on Netflix, and his Monday morning podcast, all of which we talk about in our interview with Bill Burr. Cool, man. Well, you came up in conversation the other day. My daughter's a big BoJack Horseman fan. He's like, I need another animated show to watch. I'm like, you need to watch F is for Family. So.
0: Oh, very nice. She's in a very gu- nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I forgot. I st- left off halfway through the first season, so I got to go back. It's still in my queue. So uh, I jumped back on that. And uh, yeah, we're going to get that. Maybe watch a couple episodes together, even so. Yeah. Oh
0: beautiful. And and Bo Jack Horseman, that's got uh Aaron Paul on that show. I got to do Breaking Bad a few episodes That's right. that unbelievable we talk, show,
1: yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah, I tried to get my dad on. my dad loves Aaron Paul and Breaking Bad, so I said uh, you should uh uh get, Oh get involved. yeah,
0: he's he's an unbelievable actor and an absolute sweetheart of a person too.
1: Yeah, he seems like it, yeah. So uh so it's you're in another season of Epis for Family too, and you get renewed for a third, I understand?
0: Yep, we're editing that right now, and it's going to come out later on this year, another 10 episodes of The Murphy family.
1: All right, awesome. So what's kind of been the, the biggest thing you've learned d- doing that? Because that's kind of a new thing for you, doing the animated TV.
0: I've learned how much work it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought I was being smart. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll do an animated show, and I'm not going to be like these idiots who do one camera shoots, and they're doing 16-hour days every day. And uh there's so much to anime this year it's been really easy though because now we kind of we got it up and running we you know what everybody looks like we kind of got our our we kind of we're in our groove now We're like the first season I mean we didn't even know what the characters look like and we literally spent a month trying to design because it's weird like when you do animation you got to come up with your own look of the show and it's yeah. really like so you got to create essentially your own race of animated people because <laughs> everybody has to kind of look the same, the right. eyes and the nose. It's not like a month on eyes and noses and chins and, you know, trying to like make Frank look like a, an angry guy, but also a guy that life is beaten down, but we don't want to make him look too much of a pussy, but we also don't want to make him look too hard. It it's just like, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, that was a month of my life where I was just like, what have I gotten myself into? And now <laughs> years later, um. I'm
1: glad I got myself into it. Cool, and so I guess, it, and they kind of change over time too. Because if you look at like the Simpsons and some other animated shows, you can see the subtle change. Even the Flintstones. You go back and look at season one of the Stones, uh, as Stephen Wright calls them, <laughs> Stephen, uh, first one of the of the Stones, and then the the, the the '66 season. You can see there's been some, you know, I guess the, the animation just gets better, or they just, you know, they I guess because the, cause the I have to be
0: honest with you. Those those first couple seasons, I don't know if it's season 1 or season or season 1 and 2 of the Flintstones is the best stuff. Oh man. They, they oh my god, like the Barney Copter and all yeah. of that stuff is so funny and I know. You know, and the other ones are good and everything, but like I don't sure. know, it, it just had a rawness to it, like the drawing and everything. I loved it then. That's but, true. And then of course once Kazoo came around like that was the uh That was the that's shark. Where they jumped the
1: Exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I have the whole thing on DVD. So four o'clock in the afternoon, when I'm working from home, I'll throw those DVDs in, like it's after school when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, Hanging can you on...
0: buy the uh, first couple seasons?
1: You used to be able to. Uh, when I reviewed DVDs for the paper I write for, um, they sent me all the seasons for it. So I assume they're still how out many there.
0: Seasons? Did they do?
1: There's six seasons, and then there's a full-length feature film. And then uh, I got the the Pebbles and Bam Bam show from the seventies without the music, unfortunately. The little songs they used to do at the end; those are they, they cut yeah. those out for rights. But so I wait, interviewed... how many
0: episodes? Was that one of those deals where they did like twenty-two or twenty-four episodes per season?
1: Yeah, like it's twenty-five or six, I think. It's crazy. Oh my god!
0: Oh, Okay, so I was gonna say because I was saying, they only did six seasons? It seems like there was a zillion episodes. Yeah, I like, oh, that's... yeah that's right. Because like our
1: stuff's like ten episodes is a season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must be nice. <laughs>
0: Dude, that's so much work. I can't imagine those those guys must yeah. have. Never, Hannah and Barbara must have
1: never been home. <laughs> I know, right? Well, but also too, I guess what's different now, and I guess with live action shows too, is a lot of them have uh, there's a story arc too that you kind of have to be faithful to. So you kind of have to encapsulate uh, everything, you know, in that ten episodes. Or is it kind of well, because it seemed the ones I've been into so far, they're you know that that the, the story arc is growing. Yeah.
0: Well, that's. That was Netflix's idea to serialize it, which was basically every episode leads to the next episode. And I was against that. I was like, nah, man, I want to do standalone episodes. I was like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? And then the second we gave, uh, you know, it was like literally a half a day, we're like, all right, we'll do it this way. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, this takes the writing to a whole other level. Yep. I mean, thank, thank God they were smart enough to say that because I don't think the show would have been nearly as good that's the one thing I got to say about Netflix. Great notes. <laughs> they really give good notes. You know, well, I mean, I know everybody has a different relationship with the people that they sure. work with, but from where I'm sitting, they they give great notes. I got it. Kills me as an artist to say that, but those Sons of Guns give great, me great notes.
1: Well, it, it's worked out because all of their shows, for the most part, are critically acclaimed, and so. They yeah, might, I'd say they're on to something over there. I think so. This, 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 this <laughs> might work out. Gonna,
0: uh, I think they're going to stick
1: around. This might work out for all you guys. So how much of it is is still drawn from your experiences, and how much are, do you like hear stories that people say, oh, this happened to me when I was younger, and you're able to use that, and maybe the rest of the writing staff does that too. How is how's that breaking down? Uh,
0: it's been working good. It's been, uh you know, something like everybody always when they watch an episode will be like, "Oh my god, did that happen to you? Was your dad like that?" Blah blah blah. Like, it's I probably told you this the last time. It's like it's an the, the show is not specifically like my life. It's yeah, it's the t- tone of my childhood mixed in with everybody else's. So Frank is, you know, my dad. Um, a bunch of everybody else's dads and like their stories and all of that stuff. It's really um you know, it's it's and I'm glad it's like that because I, right. I want I don't yeah. want my family to sit down and be like, Oh my God, you put all our dirty laundry <laughs> out there.
1: Right. Well I guess when Groning did the Simpsons he named the characters after his his mom and dad and I think his sisters and everything. I think Bart's the only one that's made up.
0: Yeah, yeah. See and then that's when it becomes just like, you know I think what's funny is the um the names on uh on the show like i there's a lot of those names there's people in my life that have those names and they're sitting there going is that person based off of me them <laughs> have to be like no nah, believe it or not it's not like that was just uh a coincidence or anything and they some of them are relieved others are kind of disappointed going like no but i'm just like that animated person like ah, uh, you know
1: I interviewed somebody right. that did it. That was that was producing a show that purposely put his friends from high schools. Oh, it was Bert Kreischer when he wrote the script for uh, the that film that they ended up changing everything. But he he did all the names in it are his buddies from college. And they oh, is that right? And they didn't change. Yeah, some, it.
0: Pe- some people like that
1: stuff. Other people, uh, other people don't. They get
0: they get uh, yeah. they get upset.
1: Well, I guess like, his friends. Why
0: are you put why are you putting my name? Well, especially because if the thing becomes really super famous yeah you know what i mean and, and then your name is actually richie cunningham <laughs> oh like the tv show you're like no i was the guy
1: i was the guy the actual guy yeah well his friends seemed to like it and, and the movie got changed so much that it was then all that stayed the same he told me were the names everything else got completely changed of course as happens you know yeah in, in but what i'm viz. saying is
0: if you walk around right. that name then then, oh, then yeah, whatever yeah. that
1: character did people think you did it yeah yeah <laughs> Well, that, that happens to people just, you know, on TV shows and, you know, real, oh, I hate when the, you did this thing and it's like, I was, that was just a character, man. That's so I Oh, guess, I know. Yeah.
0: I've heard, I've heard people get all crazy like that.
1: So what else you you working on? Uh, and you've got the two specials under oh. your belt. Uh, what's, and, and your, of course you're touring, this leg of the tour is going to wrap up actually in Cincinnati from what I was seeing. Uh, yeah,
0: I've been, uh, you know, just put together another 90 minutes. Oh, stuff that comes out of my mouth and hopefully people hear it and they laugh. <laughs> Basically, um editing that show, I, I did a movie towards the end of last year. Uh, I can't remember if I already promoted it or not, but it was, uh, it's called, um Front Runner, starring Hugh Jackman doing the, uh, Gary Hart story directed by Jason Rutman and I have oh, very, I very high hopes for that because, uh, the director Jason was nice enough to show me some of the dailies and it's just like, it's with, them. Already, without a doubt, one of the best looking movies I've ever been a part of. So I'm very excited, and uh and Hugh Jackman. Oh my God, is that guy a good actor? Jesus, yeah, Unreal.
1: that's that's a uh, that's the Gary Hart story of the 1980s political. Colorado senator was he? Is
0: that Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and what what is so fascinating about that story is he was the first guy. And I didn't wasn't even, I mean, I was alive obviously when this happened. Right. I I didn't I didn't understand historically what it was because I was too young, but he was the first guy where they went into his personal life. Yeah. You know, like all of these guys like I think everybody knew, you know, some of these other guys, like everybody, you know, that they kind of talk about all on some level for the most part, you know, not Jimmy Carter I don't think Nixon, but most of them, other than that, a lot of them, I should say, were sort of screwing around. Yeah. And people knew it, and nobody really said anything, and you didn't talk about their personal life. And uh, Gary Hart made this quote going, Hey, you know, I live a boring life. You don't believe me? Follow me around. (laughs) That kind of opened the door, and these guys did. And then they found out that he was having an affair. Oh, yeah. And, And, like, people don't understand now, like, it's like that took him out, like, for some reason, I thought that was a months and months and months, that scandal, and it wasn't. That story came out, and within seven days, he, he just tapped out of the campaign. His campaign was over. Yeah. And it only took, and he was, like, like the movie says, he was the front runner. You know, and you know how things work, where it was just like, we just had eight years of Reagan, so now the country's gonna blame Republicans for everything. Hey, now let's do eight years of a Democrat. That's what was gonna, just like, you know, Eight years of Bush, then eight years of Obama, you know, now it's the liberals' fault. Hey, let's get Trump in there, you know, let's see if he can fix things, you know. So yeah. it was eight years of uh, Reagan, and then there was going to be, you know, most likely eight years of a Democrat, and he was going to be the guy, and then that scandal happened, and then it was Mike Dukakis against George Bush, and he ended up winning that, so he ended up getting 12 years of the Reaganomics. You know, which some people liked, other people didn't. But yeah. uh, it's really, But Emma tells me is four years later, Bill Clinton shows up with just like, not one scandal, but like six of them. <laughs> and he just hangs in there. Yeah. I always wondered what Gary Hart thought of that. Like, I should have just hung in there. But like, Gary Hart, you know, was, I think, you know, he, he didn't like what it was doing to his family. Like, I can't, I don't know. I think he was more of a human being.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, ben, he's the ben, first one to go Bill through Clinton. it. <laughs> the Clintons, the Clintons knew how to handle it by that time. You know, that,
0: I just think that they just are. I'm not a fan of them. I just think that they'll do and say anything to to get into power. And I, was, they, I think that's how I think that's how Trump got in. Yeah, yeah. And I well, think it was almost like a bad boxing match. It just was not a good matchup. There was just right. so much baggage that that last name brought, and I and I think. Bernie Sanders, uh, the Democrats screwed up, man. Oh
1: Because yeah.
0: they could have picked, they could have picked him and they didn't, which was totally their choice. And I understand why they didn't. They go, let's go with the tried and true. But so uh, that last election was really, really fascinating how that whole, the whole thing shook out. Oh, totally. Basic into this, this <laughs> reality show TV star and also well, an incredible businessman. <laughs> Yeah. You know, some, some people say, other people say, no, who knows? I don't know. I don't know anything about politics, but I'm, I'm just more fascinated by the, uh, like little things like this happened and then that happened. So now we got this and, and what if this happened? All the what ifs are, are fascinating to me about politics. Yeah. Other than that, they're all, you know, everybody, you know, they always try to make, oh, this guy's better than that guy. Like everybody looks at Obama like he's his hero. That, you know, that guy when he left office, that guy left office, he was worth $80 million. You get you get paid five hundred grand a year to be president. How do you leave with eighty million dollars? And nobody investigates it. Exactly. And now he's on tour. Well,
1: they, yeah.
0: You know, making another seventy million dollars of, of road dates. Yeah. And it's just like, who's he talking to? Joe <laughs> Sixpack? He isn't. He's he's talking to the guys that got him in. Oh yeah. Twice.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, well, our our friend Jimmy Dore often said that he, you know, Jimmy's as liberal as a three dollar bill, and yet he was, you know, he was not a a, a huge, he was a, a fan of Obama over of the other choices, obviously, but he was really critical of him on on his show, and I guess you know, to this day, still is. Yeah, no, yeah. no, Jimmy
0: Dore's the best. I love Jimmy because, like, he, he just. Even though he's, he's totally like liberal, if yeah. liberals screw up, they'll oh, trash him. Yeah. And that, and that's completely what's missing on CNN. Exactly. And, Fox News and why I can't watch either one of them. Cause they're, yeah, just, yeah. they're such homers. It's, they're just screaming into an echo chamber. There's a, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of that on TV right now where you get somebody and all they do is trash Trump or all they do is trash Obama. And then they got this crowd of mouth breathers just Ahh! clapping at everything. It's just like, like, how long can you guys sit there and agree with each other before this gets boring?
1: Yeah, I know. It's just, you know... <laughs> so, do you talk about much of that on stage these days at all? Because I know a lot of folks that never really talked about politics will talk about it even for a few minutes just because it's so pervasive, you know, and they'll try to find a, a way to make no, it... No, it's
0: just that, that Trump is, like, so, like... It hasn't since, like... There's certain guys that are just, like, they just spit material. at uh, you, Trump... Bill Clinton, uh, who else was a good one before that? Dan Quayle. Yeah. Al Gore was a fun guy to make fun of. There's just some people that are just like, and and it always comes down to like, you know, they just if they're uncomfortable or if they seem slightly crazy, um, which I don't know how you're not if you're doing that for a living. Yeah. It's like, you know, they always talk about how much the president ages and they talk about the stress of being president. And they they always talk about oh, the economy and all that they always ignore all the dead bodies you know <laughs> yeah that, they they ignore that part that you're gonna have to sign off on bombing stuff, yes, knowing full well that bombs you know the physics of bombing, even as as accurate as it is, you're gonna kill somebody's baby, and that's just the truth of it. And that's why I love that Ken burns the war when he he does that whole thing on uh the Vietnam War. He does not shy away from the horrors of it, and shows you all the dead bodies and stuff. And there's no way to there's no way to to w- watch that and not think about what we're doing right now. And as much as you know, we're fighting a good fight over there. The amount of people that their families, you know, they lost loved ones and all that. It's just it's just. I be honest with you, I can't. I don't understand how war is still legal. I know, you know as, as civilized it's... as we are. That this is this way, you know? And a lot of times I think, you know, it's done because you're wrong. <laughs> it's just like, what you want to do is wrong, and the other people are not going to agree with it, so you have to go kill them. Yeah. It's, it's basically what's going on. However, the way it is now, you can't say any of that. You can't criticize constructively. Or it's just immediately, like, if you say anything now against the effort, it's it's like people are like, is he an ISIS? <laughs> it's like no, I'm a taxpayer watching you guys spend a billion dollars a month. We're not even fighting a, a a country, so we don't really even know. Essentially, it's like whack a mole. We're paying a billion dollars a month to play whack a mole. Yeah, and we're gonna go, we're gonna go bankrupt. It, and we have all these problems over here, heroin addiction, and schools, and all that type of stuff. That you know, how are we gonna have money for that? And um and I don't know, these guys are on the other side of the world who are fighting. They don't have a plane or a boat. How are they going to attack us?
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it, it, look, if you want to make money off of something, at least make money off of stopping the heroin problem, doing better schools, you know? That's, that's the whole thing. It's a, hey, it's, you know,
0: there's, I don't know. There's no money in that, I guess. I, I, always, there must I, not be. You know, I, don't, I don't want to go down because I'm so not even read up on all of this stuff, but like, but I'm also, you know, you don't have to be a friggin' genius to realize that most of it is about it's about money it's about money and and uh i don't know it's i don't know it's it's a really weird weird time it's a really weird time of of total openness and oversharing and extreme censorship it's like we're oversharing and totally open about you know just stuff that doesn't even matter like watching the real housewives and All the, some of the I can't even go on Facebook.
1: Oh yeah. The people that
0: I know and like, the stuff that they're telling me about, it's just like, so I went to the doctor and the guy put a camera up my ass. It's just (laughs) like taking a selfie as the camera's going up his ass. It's just like, what are you doing? But then, you know, we're sitting here, uh, talking about fat shaming while ignoring that swirl of trash out in the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) I don't know. I also spend a lot of time by myself, and
1: I don't read that much, so I'm probably <laughs> so i probably wrong on this. Who knows? It just kind of cycles around, but and, and yet somehow you you've you managed to, to to hit the you know to hit something that resonates with people because you know your observations are tend to be spot on. You know whether they're on Monday morning quarterback or I think on... it's
0: more like you know when they drag a fat guy out of the stands <laughs> during like a timeout and see if he can hit a half court shot and everybody <laughs> roots for him. <laughs> I think I'm more. I think i the stand-up version of
1: that. Okay. I don't think <laughs> well, you I'm seem. Any points. You you seem to hit it more often than not, though. Um, uh, I've got one of your CDs in my iTunes, and uh, it's one of the few that when it, when it comes up, uh, I'll I'll leave if I'm listening. Little missing the tunes. If that comes up, uh, I'll leave that on. I'll leave you on. You know, Stephen Wright, Gaffigan. But sometimes you know, you're just not in the mood. But yours, I'll always. Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta hear this again. And I've heard these things probably 50 times now, but they still crack oh, me up. Yeah.
0: That's a huge compliment.
1: Oh. Stephen Wright's one of the
0: greatest who ever did it. and uh, Gaffigan, I actually started with him. Uh, so we both moved to New York at the same time. And whenever people bring him up, I always remember we went to the improv. After the improv had closed, and it was part of this restaurant. And I just remember the woman running it. like The light to get off stage, she had a pen light. And she was explaining how she was going to flash <laughs> it twice, which meant you had five minutes left. And then when I leave it on... You need to get off immediately or you're not working there again. And I just remember thinking I had made a horrible mistake moving to New York. And and I was looking at Gaffigan's face as she was explaining it. I almost bursted out laughing because he had a look at his face. It looked like he was thinking the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's what, that's, so, so what happened? Did you guys, did you guys do okay? What happened
0: is we probably did 10,000 hell gigs, uh, after that.
1: No, no, I mean including with,
0: that one. Yeah, and then we eventually uh built up a following. Well, somehow.
1: that that well, that part I know, but I'm saying with that that first with that light was that intimidating. Because that was as someone who's done a few open mics and that what no, terrifies it was ridiculous. me. Ridiculous!
0: It was like I was like thinking, "This is the improv. This is what happened to the New York improv. Oh my God! Is it, is the art of st- stand up going away? Oh, okay, so there was there was a fear that like. Dude, this is going to be like uh, disco. Like, it was just something people were into, and nobody's into it anymore. And like, I was thinking, I got to start taking acting classes. I got to make it as an actor. I'm not going to make it as an actor, but I think I can make it as a comedian. But it's the people not care anymore. So I don't
1: know. Yeah. So, but the I, state. Thank The, God, the state, that state of comedy wasn't right. Yeah. Well, the state of comedy is pretty good, you know. These days, it's it it seems to you know like they say in Jurassic Park, it it finds a way. You know, even with the changing technology and tastes and platforms, comedy still seems to be in a pretty healthy state at the moment, don't you think?
0: Absolutely it is. Yeah. Absolutely it is. I think it's, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a time when people don't want to laugh. Sometimes they change the ways that they want to laugh. They'll switch, you know, there's, there's ups and downs, booms and busts, you know, like in any industry with stand-up comedy. And uh, But, Right now we're in a boom, and uh, I don't know. I'm fortunately in a good place where I can benefit from that. So I'm yeah. gonna just try to save my money so I don't end up a broke old bald redhead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go, like one of those athletes that blows all his money and then doesn't can't figure out wait wait what happened where did it all go? Yeah, I don't want to be that on, guy. On Cribs. Well, cool man. Well, appreciate you taking the time. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna turn off the recorder and ask you something off the air uh, involving your visit to Cincinnati, but um. To uh, to folks uh, listening to the podcast, of course, uh, Epi's for family uh, and the Monday Morning Quarterback. Anything else you want to plug? Monday Morning Podcast. Podcast.
0: Oh, Monday Morning Quarterback. I play Monday Morning
1: Quarterback about politics. Okay, that's th- that's what it is. Yeah, that's why I got I got confused. You know, I, got, I had like Kosaki's quick snaps in my head because I was looking at that before I came out here to do the interview. All right, well, cool, man. Well, thanks again for uh, for being on, and uh, we'll see you in Cincinnati in uh, I guess about two weeks absolutely alright thank you thanks so. me for my show I'll see you okay. thanks again to Bill Burr for being on the show you can catch Bill at the Brady Theatre in Tulsa March 30th at the Majestic Theatre in San Antonio March 31st you got two shows there April 6th at the Brenedum Center for the Arts in, let me see, Pittsburgh, PA. I don't know what that is, and I used to live there. But uh, anyway, that's April 6th, also two shows. And then here in Cincinnati, April 7th, with also two shows the following night. April 7th. All right, there you go. So our song of the week comes to us from uh, Joakim Cooter. Joakim is the son of Rai Cooter, of course, you may know, off of the 70s. He uh, played with a bunch of different bands and uh, you know uh, has a lot of solo albums out himself, of course. And uh, Joakim has released uh, some stuff himself. He has a new EP that's coming out. It's called Fushia Machu Picchu, and it comes out on Friday. I believe that would be what... Uh March 31st, right? Is that right? No, March 30th because the first is going to be uh, Easter Sunday. Anyway, it comes out then and uh, it's really some uh, it's some mellow stuff, kids. Not the usual sort of poppy fare I, uh, I usually enjoy. And uh, the one song that really stood out to me is called uh, Calm My Mind. And it is a, a very nice, mellow tune here for the—well, uh, really, we're technically in spring. It's really the end of winter still in these parts. If uh, I'm recording this on Friday the 23rd, we're expecting a big snowstorm in the Midwest. But uh, this is kind of a nice, uh, quiet tune. Something that's very appealing and haunting and kind of really draws you in on this. It's called Calm My Mind. It's from Joaquin Cooter. And it's our song of the week on P.F. State Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Call my mind. Oh.